Why do you say the phrase, be careful? It's because you're talking about something that has great value, great worth, right? So when you're a new parent and, and you have this precious little baby, everybody wants to hold the baby, but you're kind of reluctant. You give in though and you go, okay, here, but you always say, be careful. This is my precious baby. This baby has tremendous value to me. It's kind of like, be careful, please don't break my baby. The first time your parents throw you the keys to the car for you to go and drive, what do they say? Be careful. Because that car, I mean, probably you too, but that car has tremendous value to them, right? It's like, don't scratch her. Be careful with her out there. If you ask a friend to come over to your house and move a piece of furniture, be careful. That's grandma's china cabinet. We don't want to bang it into the wall. I don't want to scratch the corners or anything. Be, be careful. If it was some piece of junk that you got at a garage sale earlier in the day, you wouldn't care. You just, you break it, you buy a new one. Be careful, it has tremendous value. Today we're gonna look at this passage where the Apostle Paul says, be careful. Because we have this thing of tremendous value, of incredible worth, and so he warns us to be careful. So we're gonna get right into it. If you got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on. Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five is where we're gonna be. And I wanna talk about this thing that has such incredible value. Let me tell you what's going on. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a group of Christians in this city called Ephesus. And the scene is kind of set for us in verse 14. Paul says to them, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So he writes to these people and he says, wake up. I mean, apparently what's happened is you have this group of Christians, they've kind of fallen asleep at the wheel. They're kind of just on cruise control, floating through life, just kind of coasting. See, the city of Ephesus is this incredible place. Tremendous wealth, a lot of education. Many of these people that he's writing to are quite well-to-do. Their life is honestly pretty easy. Lots of comfort, lots of luxury. There are a lot of amenities in the city of Ephesus. And when they started following Jesus, I mean, they were all about it. They were all in following Jesus. They were so excited about Jesus. But apparently over the years, just life and the world have started to creep back in. If you ask them, they'd go, oh, yeah, 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 we love Jesus. But if you looked at their life, you might think, yeah, but you also love money and sex and power and material things, and, and entertainment. And so Paul writes to them, and he says, some of you need to wake up. Wake up. You have this incredible thing of so much value, and you're not treating it like that. Honestly, you're, you're wasting it. And so his call for them is to wake up. You know, honestly, my prayer for you today, maybe some of you need to wake up. My prayer for you today is that this might be your wake-up call, that I could wake you up, that we could call you back to a life with Christ, that I could call you to the life that God wants for you, that he designed for you. So I wanna talk about this thing that is of such incredible value and worth. Listen to what Paul says. Verse 15, he says, be careful then, be careful how you live. Just remember, why would someone say be careful? 
Because they're talking about something that has value, right? So he's saying the way that we live, how we live, the way we live has value. It has worth and meaning. So the way you treat people has value. It matters. The way that you talk has value. The way you act, the way you make decisions, these things have value. And Paul is, he's trying to get us to stop for, for just a minute and actually think about the way that we live. I think for so many of us, we just kind of go through life. It's on autopilot. We just get up and, and whatever the day holds, that's what we do. And he's like, could you just stop for a moment and think about how you live? You're really focused on what you do, but I want, to think about, you, want you to think about how it is that you live. Because it has value. If it doesn't have value, he wouldn't say, be careful, right? If you, someone's taking out the garbage, you don't go, hey, be careful. No, it's, it's garbage. It's like, it stinks. Get it out of here. Nobody says, be careful about that. But Paul says that because the way we live has value. And so he's just going, slow down and think about the way you live. Now he starts to tell us what that would really look like. If we would actually think about it, how could we go about examining the way we live. Here's our passage, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So we're gonna spend a few minutes unpacking this. He really says, three things. If you got your Bible, I would underline them. He says three things. First of all, he says to live as wise, not unwise. Underline that. Then he says to make the most of every opportunity. Underline that. And finally, he says to understand what God's will is. Let's unpack these a little bit. You can write some things down as we're going. Here's what he says. Here's what it looks like to place value on how you live. And my hope is that maybe one of these, maybe all of these would stand out for you today, would be a wake-up call for you. So first thing he says is this. Paul says to chase wisdom. And I wanna talk about that word, that word wisdom. I don't think we use that word a lot anymore. I'm not sure we put a lot of value on wisdom. We value information. We value education and knowledge. We say things like, well, what are the experts saying? But wisdom is more than all those things. It's more than just information. Wisdom is the ability to take information, to sort of process it, and to use it to make decisions and to lead people. So there's this guy in the Old Testament. His name is Solomon. The Bible says that Solomon is the wisest man to ever live, at least at his time, wisest man to ever live. And Solomon is becoming king of Israel, and God says to him, Solomon, what do you want? Like, ask me anything. I mean, the God of creation goes, ask me anything. I'll give it to you. What do you want? And Solomon responds to him. And Solomon says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead my people. He asks for wisdom so that he can help lead his people, that he can help make decisions. God, give me wisdom so that I know what you want me to do, it's so much more than information. It's like if you're trying to decide on whether to take a new job, and you go, man, I just, 
I just need some wisdom. You don't need more information. You already have that. You know what it pays. You know where you have to relocate to. You know what the job's gonna be like. You know about the health insurance or whatever. You have all that information, but you need wisdom. You wanna be able to take all that, to gather all that up, to process it, and to make the right decision. I mean, is it fair to say that our country could use a dose of wisdom right now? I mean, in the midst of a pandemic, and sadly, once again, seeing the injustice of racial inequality, now watching what's going on in our cities as we, as we watch the news and we turn on our TVs, could we use some wisdom? Yeah, I know I could. I mean, I wanna educate myself, I want information, but honestly, I'm going, God, I need wisdom. I need to know what to think about all this. I need to know what to say about all this. I need to know, as I gather information, what is it that I can do right now? And I think what Paul is saying is just part of living life well is growing in wisdom. And you know, if we're honest, I don't think we really pursue wisdom a lot. I don't think we value wisdom. I mean, can I, can I tell you why, just my opinion? I don't think we really wanna listen to anyone else. I think we kinda wanna do what we wanna do, right? And so we surround ourselves with people that affirm what we are gonna do and what we believe, and we don't really wanna listen to anybody else, and we don't really wanna be accountable to anyone else. I mean, you think about wisdom. God says in the Bible, in the book of James, God says, if you really want wisdom, just ask. He's like, I'm, I'm handing it out. But you know, I'm not really sure that we want it. Because that would mean actually stopping, listening to God, asking God's opinion, or listening to someone that God has put in our life to speak truth to us, and then actually being accountable to what they've said. I don't, I don't think we want to do that. I think we wanna do what we wanna do. I also think we've lost this value on wisdom because we've stopped valuing age and experience. Right, we almost kind of scoff at age and experience. It's like, okay, you get past a certain age and it's like, all right, grandpa. Like, okay, boomer. Like, you're, you know, you're irrelevant, you're obsolete. You're just like, oh, you're a dinosaur. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says this in Job. It says, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? And I guess what I'm saying is, and I don't know, maybe it's too practical, maybe it's too easy, but if all we ever do is spend time with people that are just like us, same age, same race, same socioeconomic class, same neighborhood, whatever, if all we do is spend time with people that are just like us, we don't grow in wisdom. We all just share our ignorance. So I go back to Jesus and I think about the diversity of people that Jesus spent time with. Men and women, young and old, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile. I mean, think about just the diversity of people that Jesus spent time with and the diversity of people that Jesus served. So for you, 
Have you ever sat down with someone who's different than you? Who's from a different background? Who's from a different generation? Not with an agenda, just to sit down and, and learn and listen. And this is not to say that, I mean, it's not to say that all older people are wise, right? I mean, like, come on, you know who you are. It's just getting a perspective from someone that's not like you. You ever thought about just talking with a neighbor? Maybe it's just across the fence, just talking with an older neighbor and, and learning from them, hearing their story, because they have more experience than you do. Or grabbing somebody in your, your small group or your care group. This is why we're so passionate about people being in some kind of a group. We want you to have people in your life that are older and have had more experience that you can grab them and go, hey, can I take you to coffee? No agenda, just learn. I mean, maybe that's a challenge for you. Maybe that's something that you could do this week. Just call somebody up and go, hey, you're old. Can you teach me something? Like, I promise you, that would actually flatter them. They want to share with you. They would love to share their experience and their wisdom with you. I think Paul is just driving us towards this idea that if you want wisdom, it's available it's, it's out there, but you might have to seek it out and you might actually have to be humble enough to believe that there are people that know more than you do. But the reward of it is incredible. The reward of it is learning from real experience and real people and the journey that they've been through. And Paul is saying, listen, you have one life. And if you're not growing in wisdom, I guess that's a choice that, that you could make. You know, the Bible says that those who despise wisdom are fools. He goes, that's a choice you could make, but honestly, it's foolish. And you have this one life, and how you live it is precious. It's valuable. And if we're not growing, and if we're not learning, we're not treating it with the value that it deserves. He says, chase wisdom. Second thing he says, you want to be careful about the way you live, chase wisdom. The second thing he says is to capture every opportunity. So go back to the Old Testament for a minute. There's this woman named Esther. Esther is a Jewish woman. She's living during a, a time where the Jews have been conquered by the Persians. And Esther is so beautiful that the Persian king notices her. And he goes, I, I want her to be my wife. I want to make her queen. In fact, he kind of gets rid of the old queen so that she can be queen. And he makes her his queen. But behind his back, one of his generals has this plot, has this scheme to kill all the Jews. And so a bunch of Esther's people, a bunch of the Israelites come to Esther and they go, you got to do something. You have this connection with the king. You got to go talk to him. You have this platform. And so Esther sort of has this decision to make about whether she's willing to do this because understand, it's different times. She can't just walk in and go, hey, honey, you know, I'm, I'm going to the movies with friends or whatever. This is a different thing. Like, you bother the king, you interrupt the king, and he's gonna like, you're out. He'll find himself a, a new queen. And so they come to her and she has this decision to make. What am I gonna do? Am I gonna go and talk to the king or am I gonna look the other way? If I do... People are gonna get hurt, but if I go talk to him, I might get hurt. 
And so it's awesome, the family actually, they try and guilt her, they like send this message and they're like, Esther, we think you were put on planet Earth for a moment just like this. It's very like daytime TV drama, it's fantastic. And Esther thinks about it for a while and she responds, it's so interesting. She says, I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. And you might look at that and go, well, she's not being careful with her life. Oh, she's being very careful with this opportunity that she has. She recognizes that she has a platform. She has a connection. She has a voice. And she can look the other way, but if she does, people are going to be hurt. And so she says, I will seize this opportunity. I have an opportunity to serve my people. I will take this opportunity, and I'll go, and I'll talk to the king. So I have this confession to make. We've been in quarantine for, I don't know, like 12 years now. I don't know, what is it, three months? I've wasted some of it. Like I've had extra time on my hands. I could have been playing with my kids. I could have spent some time with my wife. I could have been doing some writing that I wanted to do. I could have picked up my Bible and studied it more. And instead I found myself staring at my iPad a lot or, or, or whatever. And don't get me wrong, like, okay, the occasional Netflix day, that's fine. But for some of us, like eight, nine days into that, we're wearing the same clothes, we haven't showered, we're covered in Doritos, like you gotta start asking some life questions. Like maybe something went wrong. I think Paul's point is simply to say, you know, you got one shot at this life and every opportunity that you have is valuable. This is written by a guy who's sitting in a prison cell who every day is wondering, what if today is the last day that I'm on earth? And he goes, you guys might not even see it, but every day is an opportunity. Every interaction with people is an opportunity. And what does it even mean? I don't know. I don't think Paul necessarily says, here's the opportunity. He just says, there are opportunities all around us. Maybe for you it's, there's a person in your apartment complex and you've kind of been wanting to have a conversation with them and learn more about them. Maybe it looks like they could use a hand and you've been thinking about helping but you haven't jumped in yet. Maybe for you it's inviting a, a neighbor to church. Maybe for you it's picking up the phone and calling a friend that you had a falling out with and it's gonna be uncomfortable. Maybe for you it's I don't know, dusting off the old Bible. Maybe your opportunity, maybe you have a platform, maybe you have a leadership role of some sort. Maybe you have a voice or a connection. You know, you, you look at what's going on in the world right now. And if you have a voice, if you have a platform, how can we not speak up? How can we not speak up for what's right and what's wrong? There are things in this world that are right and there are things that are wrong. Injustice is wrong. Hate is wrong. There are things that are good. Protests are good. Violence and looting is wrong. And if we don't speak up for it, if we have a voice and we have a connection and we have a platform and we don't speak up, for what is right and what is wrong. What do we do, just kick it down the road? Our kids will deal with it? 
because it might cost us something, because it might be a little uncomfortable, because even hearing this right now might be a little awkward. Think about this example of Esther. Even if I die, okay, because I know what's right, and I know what's wrong, and there comes a point where if I have the opportunity to speak up, I have to speak up. All right, fine, maybe for you, okay, it's not some of this race stuff, this injustice stuff. Maybe it's you have a friend, and you know that her boyfriend slaps her around. It's time to speak up. Maybe you have a coworker, and you know that coworker's stealing from work. And you don't want to make a thing out of it and you don't want to get him in trouble and you don't want to be like the snitch around the office but you know what's right and what's wrong. I don't know. I don't think Paul gives us a formula. I just think he's going, man, every day there is an opportunity. There's an opportunity to show someone love who maybe they won't experience love if you don't walk into their life. Every day there's an opportunity to grow closer, just one step closer to Christ. Every day there's an opportunity to show someone the love of Jesus. And these opportunities, they're too valuable. They're too valuable for us to just be asleep at the wheel, to just be coasting. Wake up. Paul says, third, the final thing he says, I love this. It's chase wisdom. It's capture every opportunity. Finally, he says, to grasp God's will. And I feel like that phrase, God's will, it just feels like this big, mystical, sort of ethereal kind of thing. It's not. It's not like the secret, hidden counsel of God that Paul is talking about. It, it, means, it means learning the character of God. It means learning the things that he's taught us and learning, learning the word of God. You know, we, we say, well, I really want to know God's will in my life. And I, I think we're waiting for this, this map to go live in this city and have this job and buy a house on this street and be friends with these people and have this many children and, and, and buy that color couch or whatever it is. And, and like, if, if I had all that, if I knew those things, then I would know God's will for my life. But is that, is that really what this is about? Is God's will this mysterious map or is it pretty plain, right in his word? Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. It is God's will. Ooh, that sounds important. Let's listen. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That just means, we learned this last week, just big word, just means that you'd become more like Jesus. This is God's will for your life, that you'd become more like Jesus. Does God care what city you live in and what job you take and what street you live on and who you're friends with and how many kids you have and what color couch you buy? Yes, of course. But above all that, the thing that God really cares about is that you and I would grow to become more like Jesus. That's God's will for you. And Paul is like, I really want you to get this. Your life is so valuable. If it wasn't He's like, I wouldn't tell you to be careful. Just go do whatever you want to do. Have fun. Live it up. But your life is so valuable. I don't want you to miss what God has for your life. I want you to be careful with it. I want you to know what God wants from you. And here it is. 
It's that you'd become more like Jesus. How, okay, how do I do that? Well, you spend time with him. You talk with him. You listen to him. You hear things from his word. You ask questions of people that have been walking with Jesus for longer than you have, and you learn from them. And you actually do the things that Jesus taught. I think often we, we talk to God and we go, God, I want to know what your will is. Like, like tell me these things that, that are your will for my life. And God's like, can you do the basics? Can you do the things that I've already told you? Like, don't steal, but you steal. Don't be sexually immoral, but you, you're sexually immoral. And then we go, God, tell us more. And he goes, I want you to become like Jesus. That's what I really want for your life. I want you to be like Jesus. And the more time you spend with him, the more you will become like Jesus. But you have to believe that your life is that valuable. You've got to believe that the way you live is actually precious. And you can treat it as such or you can waste it. You can just fall asleep at the wheel, but you're gonna end up in a wreck. So Paul, who loves us, is going, please wake up. Please wake up. Please stop coasting through life. Please be careful with this life. Wake up. There's opportunity right now to serve someone. There's opportunity right now to love someone. There's opportunity right now to tell someone what Christ has done in your life. Wake up. Your life is too valuable to wait until tomorrow. So in the midst of a pandemic, and in the midst of these tense cultural things, which by the way, I hope we grow from. I hope that God helps us learn something and we're better on the other side of this. But it would be really easy for you to go, okay, okay, I hear all this. Okay, I'm gonna get to all this. Right after things get back to normal. Once I get back to work, once my kids get back to school, when the church the church doors are open again. When things are normal, then I'll get serious about this. Okay, I get it. God wants me to be like Jesus. I'll get serious about that. Just let things get back to normal. And there's this temptation, like the Ephesians, to wait. There's this temptation to go, yeah, 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 of course I love Jesus. But right now, there's a lot of other stuff going on and, and that kind of has my attention. my church family, my brothers and my sisters, can I beg you to wake up? If you're just coasting through life, you're asleep at the wheel, you're not thinking about the way that you're living. You're not even thinking about how do I grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I beg you today to wake up? Can I finish with the words of Paul, what he wrote to the Ephesians? Wake up. Sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for your love for us. 
Thankful that you call us valuable. You call us your, your sons and your daughters. I'm thankful for these words from the Apostle Paul that wake us up, that I, I, I pray wake us up, God. For those of us that are maybe floating right now, just kind of coasting through life. Yeah, we love Jesus, but there's a lot of other things that have our attention. God, I pray that your words today would be a wake-up call for us, that we would see how valuable each and every day is, that we would see the opportunities that you put in front of us to love people like Jesus, to serve people, to tell people what Jesus has done in our life. God, I pray that each of us would have tremendous peace knowing your will, that your will for us is not some mysterious thing hidden in the clouds somewhere. Your will is that none should perish, but each of us would have new life and we would become more like Jesus Christ. God, today, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, help each of us take us one step closer to Christ. Help each of us be humble enough to grow in wisdom God, open our eyes that we would see the opportunities to serve you and to serve your people. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who lost his life so that we could have hope and eternal life. It's in his name we pray, amen.